0: On today's episode shoes as tools to overcome injury with Matt Klein welcome to the run smarter podcast the podcast helping you overcome your current and future running injuries by educating and transforming you into a healthier stronger and smarter runner my name is Brody Sharp I'm the guy to reach out to when you have finally decided enough is enough with your persistent running injuries I'm a physiotherapist the owner of the Breakthrough Running Clinic and your podcast host. I'm excited to bring you today's lesson and to add to your ever-growing running knowledge. Let's work together to overcome your running injuries, getting you to that starting line and finishing strong. So let's take it away. Okay, let's get started. I first heard of Matt Klein on another podcast, and he was discussing his website and what he does, and it sounded phenomenal, so uh, I reached out to him to get him to come on. He is the, oh, he has the website, Doctors of Running, and he pretty much um, reviews shoes and delves into a lot of research around what shoes can tell us and um, what type of shoes are linked to certain types of injuries or performance. And he is a wealth of knowledge. He has access to try out so many different types of shoes and which isn't really in my wheelhouse. So it was an honor to have Matt on to share his expertise. Um, he discusses his, um, other handles and other social media platforms at the end, uh, really recommend that you follow his stuff if you're interested in different types of shoes. This is an interesting topic because the uh, we all wear shoes when we go running, except for those odd ones that go in bare feet. So it's good that we understand the benefits shoes can have and the detrimental qualities shoes can have. And based on your individual circumstances and your individual um, part of your journey, we can use these shoe characteristics uh, to our advantage. It was probably um, a month or so ago now when I was explaining about my tendinopathy that I've overcome. Uh, The response has been great for that. But throughout that journey, one of the things that I did was... um, I started, as I started building up my mileage, my calves were getting quite sore, and that's because I mainly am a four-foot runner, and so naturally, my calves, feet, Achilles, uh, undergo a little bit more load compared to my knees, hips, that sort of thing, and yeah, they were just getting doms, just getting a bit sore, so decided to purchase a shoe that had a higher heel drop, and were still quite light, and yeah just I didn't know what brand of shoe I wanted I knew what sort of characteristics I wanted it to have and got a shoe and it was um, making all the difference and helping my recovery so this is similar to the topic that we explore today we go through certain types of injuries we go through patellofemoral pain shin splints ITB like calf strains achilles that sort of thing and yeah, what sort of shoe characteristics can help. And there's some really, really nice takeaways that Matt has been um, kind enough to share. Before we move on, those who have been paying attention to the past episodes know that I'm running a contest and the winner gets a unlimited access, free access to the Run Smarter online course. Uh, if you haven't been paying attention, uh, those who um, submit a post or or something on social media to help bring, um, bring more awareness to the podcast. They have posted their favorite episode or what they've learned about the podcast or how it's helped their running. And um, yeah, I'm going to announce that today. So there have been five people that have entered the contest and I've got all their names written down. And on my computer here, I have a random number generator. So let me just hit that now. Number two. Laura Silva is our winner. So I'll reach out to you and um, let you know that you have become the winner. Congratulations. Um, All it takes is just a quick sign up and then you get access to all that information unlimited. So congratulations. I will um, be doing contests like this further down the track and um, just to help grow the podcast, but to help you learn and help you get some um, nice rewards in the process. So love creating these win-win scenarios. All right, um, let's move on to our interview with Matt Klein.
1: Well, first of all, Brody, thank you so much for, for having me on. I'm a huge fan of the podcast. So, uh, my name is Matthew Klein. I am a physical therapist from the United States. I started the website Doctors Are Running, previously, Klein Runs DPT, a long time ago, actually, in the middle of PT school, as a way to dive into footwear because I love running shoes. I love running. And I always had the questions in my mind of what am I putting on my feet and how to fit? how is it affecting my body? I was very fortunate in Portland, Oregon, where I grew up to grow up with a bunch of uh, experts in the footwear realm um, at Footright uh, Fitright fit, right, Northwest and foot traffic. Uh, had a bunch of contacts in the foot world from Nike, Adidas, Saucony who were able to mentor me and kind of looking at shoes as much more than just something I put on my feet, but wondering what happens to my body when you do put them on your feet So this evolved, uh, partially inspired me to become a physical therapist. The other part was I was a frequently injured runner and I wanted to figure out how can I keep myself healthy? And this profession has been wonderful for helping me do that. And so as a physical therapist, that's been my journey to help not only keep, help people get healthy and get back to their health, but also educate them on what their body is, how they can better take care of it. And shoes is just an extension of that because often we don't think about what we're putting on our feet. We had a conversation just a second ago with a lot of, a lot of runners will kind of stick to one brand or one shoe their entire life and not really think about like, hey, what, how might this be contributing to either enhanced performance or potential injuries or issues you might be having? So it's good just to think about what's, what you're putting on your feet. So my expertise in the four realm has come from testing and writing for Doctors of Running. I've been uh, involved in research in the past back in college. So I had some very good mentors that kind of got me interested in this. Uh, even in college and then currently I'm a PhD student at Azusa Pacific University where I'm just beginning to do my initial testing for a couple studies and it's primarily looking at how some of these new carbon fiber plated shoes and these max cushion shoes, how they affect the lower body in terms of movement, impact forces and things like that. So it's I'm inspired by many of those who came before me both to do the PhD and this knowledge and it's been just a lot of experience, a lot of fun. To get to know a lot of people in the football realm so through doctors of running we have contacts throughout the running world who are nice enough to talk with us and send us stuff to test and we get to hear all kinds of stuff from what they're doing and uh, yeah it's been a, a really cool journey thus far That's really only beginning
0: yeah so i have my I, hands
1: in many different areas
0: <laughs> i can't think of a better person to delve into this topic and yeah like fascination as a runner like fascinated by shoes and how you can use Mm. it to affect your body, then having the background, like delving into research, being very research heavy, and then having Mm. the amount of contacts that you have. And I thought I'd call this episode um, shoes as tools to overcome injury because, and I'll I'll kind of put a bit of a question mark, I think on that (laughs) Uh, because we're sort of delving into, is there an answer or is there a solution? But having the concept of using your shoes as a tool. You can have it to mm-hmm. potentially manipulate certain things, maybe to increase your performance, maybe to mm-hmm. um, help an injury per se, maybe to help avoid a certain type of injury. Um, so I'm really excited to delve into this and what you think. And I had this idea um, <laughs> we're going to go through some injury specific topics. And mm-hmm. rather than discuss, okay, this is patellofemoral pain and discussing the causes and the etiology or other treatments Um, I want the audience to go back to those specific injuries Um, so I have these written down if you want to know more about the patellofemoral pain there's uh, you can go back to episode 29 when I discuss with uh, the hosts from that's running podcast Uh, I talk about shin splints on episode 46 I talk about ITB syndrome uh, episode 40 we're going to delve a little bit into calf strains and Achilles sort of stuff, which I haven't done an episode on, which I think I will uh, very soon, but uh, plantar fasciitis, if you want to go back to episode 30 and 31 to just uh, like sort of delve into a little bit more of what causes plantar fasciitis and general recovery for that. But also most recently my talk with JF, we talked about shoe selection for plantar fasciitis. So we might avoid that condition today. Um, Mm -hmm. And delve into these, like we'll we'll just talk about the shoes for now. And I think I should also mention is shoes aren't the only answer. There's going to be, we're going to talk about the shoe, how it can manipulate a certain injury, but that's not going to be the one answer. There's also some really, uh, uh, like there's other treatments that will be very effective also. And you should really delve into that instead of going ahead and Buying one shoe and thinking it's going to solve all of your problems. Um, Before we dive in, Matt, is there anything you want to add to anything that I have just just said?
1: I really want to emphasize the fact uh, because I definitely did this. Don't go around buying a ton of shoes, trying to like just jump from one for one, trying to fix your problems. Right. Make sure that the first thing you take a look at is obviously your own body in terms of your training, the load that you're putting in your body, how you're moving, that kind of thing. It should be the priority, and a shoe really should be a tool, an asset an asset to that. Um, but the priority is your own body, your strength level, how smart your training is, stuff like that. Um, I'd also like to add, we are, we may see this shift in the future, but currently, um, one of the things you have to be aware of is that I would argue that no shoe can prevent injuries. However, the wrong ones can certainly influence one. So there is definitely a better and a worse shoe, the evidence on a shoe being able to prevent injuries is is next to none. And we can die. I won't be too mean to a certain study done by a certain major footwear brand, but you have to be very, very cautious on saying that a shoe can prevent an injury, right? We are very even in other areas outside of shoes, we have a very hard time finding things that truly prevent injuries outside of some of the literature on strength training. So we just have to be careful with our, our wording on that. They can certainly cause them, right? So Craig Payne would love me to sit, remind people that shoes, there's no shoe can prevent an injury for sure, but they can certainly influence one negatively or, or positively. So influence is probably the better word I would use.
0: Yeah, uh, a, a great point. And yeah. I love addressing a lot of people's like convictions. that Some people have a, a lot of belief around um, they got injured because of this shoe or they right. um, don't get injured because of this shoe. And it's really right. good to lay that down and have a real crystal clear message like that. I wish it was that simple, but it's not. Yeah, I promise there's so
1: many other variables, but, but we will address one of those variables today.
0: Yeah. Fantastic. I think the first one I want to discuss is the most yeah. common of injuries and that being patellofemoral pain. And yeah. what can we what can we know about this condition? What Oh, actually, no, let's talk about shoe characteristics. Let's, before we go into these injury specific stuff, what characteristics do we need to know about a shoe uh, before we discuss like brands and discuss like um, real specifics?
1: Right. So the the big things that I look at both in my role at doctors of running as well as a clinician, right? As a large uh, portion of my patient population are runners and a lot of them are masters runners specifically, so the big things I look at first is what's the shape of the shoe like, how does it fit are the two big things I look at first, because we do actually have some evidence out there that suggests that the more comfortably a shoe fits, the more le- likely it is to work for you. After kind of getting over that, I start looking at how, what's the firmness of the shoe and firmness is going to be very dependent on each person. Different people respond to different levels of firmness, right? Or a sole durometer, however you would call that. The, the next thing I look at is how is the shoe shaped? So one of the big things I look at, especially for patellofemoral pain is, is sole flare. And that sole flare is how far out the sole extends beyond where the foot is. So you've probably seen those shoes, like, especially from Nike Adidas where the the back of the shoe, the the sole extends super far back behind the shoe, right? Or if you're looking at it from the side, the shoe extends way far beyond to the medial lateral sides so the outer, the outer inner sides, um way farther where the foot is that is called sole flare in the right person that can cause some issues or in the wrong person that can cause some issues in the right person that can actually provide some stability so seeing where those projections are are a second thing i'm looking at to see hey what how is this going to influence like strike pattern and stuff like that um, and then i'm going to take a look at the sole to see okay what's the width like right is it a is there a super narrow midfoot right which can cause a little bit of instability depending on the person um, what, how does the layout or the bottom of the outsole look? Is it full ground contact? Is it not full ground contact? Is they, there a midfoot shank, right? That usually that stiff plastic piece in the middle. Um, is that going to influence the stiffness? Uh, what is it? Where is that place? And then I'm going to look at the front of the shoe, right? So back of the shoe was looking at sole flare and heel bevel. Is it curved, right? Cause our calcaneus, our heel bone is curved. So you want a little bit of a curve back there. And then I'm going to move to the front of the shoe and look at toe spring. I'm going to look at what's that upper curve of the toes like. Is it enough? Is it too much? Um, how is that going to roll me forwards? The upper we already talked about in terms of fit, but you can also go back to the midfoot and look at like, is there any projections or anything that's going to influence that fit? And then I'm going to go back to the heel. And one of the major things I look at, and there's tons of other things I'm probably not thinking about, but I'm looking at the heel counter and how that's going to affect, um, where my heel sits uh how stiff is the heel counter is that going to put excessive pressure on on uh my achilles which for me uh i have a little bit of an assess uh sensitive achilles tendon insertion i've got a little haggle deformity on both sides so those are the big things i'm looking for and then those will it'll vary the prior day i put that depending on the person sitting in front of me going hey what do you think of this shoe for me so you'll hear me say it depends a lot but, um, each person is very unique as to which one of those things I'm going to focus on
0: first, yeah I think the the shoe flare like yeah. uh, around that the sole flare is something yeah. that most people don't really consider, and so if you were to grab your shoe now and kind of just hold it up to your eye level and look from yeah. behind, if you have a look at where that heel is, you might see that the um, that where the heel is placed, it kind of like the rubber kind of wings out and that would be an increased flare or you might see that it doesn't wing out at all. And that might be um, like lower on the flare scale. And that kind of just acts as if there's like little kind of wings or extra rubber on each side, it kind of like you were saying, produces like stability. Um, What could you say about say weight of the shoe?
1: So weight will certainly affect it we we do know and both from the research and, and personal experience and uh anecdotally yeah the heavier a shoe is right the harder it is to move so your efficiency decreases as a shoe is super heavy um i've had that's gotten turned around a little bit as i've gotten to test some new shoes with some of these new foams uh this, not to shout a specific company but uh the sockety triumph has really helped turn that on my head on its head where you know i've the it's a the new version, the 18, is a 11-ounce shoe, and yet the foam is so has so much energy return to it that it kind of makes you not notice that. So I personally am a fan of kind of not getting the lightest shoe, but a, typic- a lighter is a little better, right, because it's less that you have to lift. Um, however, you, when you start going to a super light shoe, right, where it's got to be super close to the ground... There's not a lot, there's no protection there. Certain that works well for certain people, right? I I love, I'm biased because I love very firm, close to the ground racing flats, which have been disappearing, unfortunately, in today's market. Certain people do well in that. The less shoe you have, right, as you as you get to the one side of the spectrum, it becomes less efficient as your body has to shock absorb more. As you get to the other expender where it's super heavy, you also become less efficient because it's so, there's so much weight you have gotta lift, it takes more effort. So every person has a middle ground. I tend to bias toward a little bit of a lighter weight shoe, just because it's less to carry, right? And then that influence that may influence some of the mechanics up higher a little bit less than say, a super heavy duty shoe, but as always, each person will have different preferences. right? And there's other factors that can influence how heavy a shoe feels versus how heavy it
0: measures. Okay. And what about heel drop? Could you maybe describe what a heel Uh, drop might be and do we need to know that? That is a, yeah,
1: you definitely need to know that. So the heel drop refers to the difference in height between the heel and the front of the foot. The industry standard used to be about 10 to 12 millimeters. That is now very different now. So you'll see anywhere from a zero millimeter differential between those two areas, right? To 12, 14, depending. And then Most companies seem to be kind of sticking around that eight to 10. And again, it depends on what the the classification of a shoe is. You'll see these transitional shoes or minimalist shoes that have a lower drop. You'll see some of these trainers that still have that very high drop. And now you're sitting trainers that have a very low drop. So it really depends on the, especially the mobility of the Achilles and the Achilles tendon, uh, people's strength and what they're used to, right? So if people are used to walking around barefoot and they're used to a low, low drop, they may do better in a lower drop shoe, but people who've been wearing traditional shoes their whole life, if you're gonna switch between them, take the time to ease in, gradually transition, don't just 100% transition your training, right? Because we know one of the biggest influences of injury is sudden changes the body is not ready for. So heel drop was a huge topic for a long period of time. Recently in the literature, it has not been, because what we started realizing is there's no difference in injury rates between different types of heel drop, right? There's no, there's different types that happen, but there's no difference in the injury rates. It's the same thing with, um, with foot strike, right? People used to get really into, you know, do you land in your heel versus do you land in your forefoot? And the more literature came out, the more we started realizing, yeah, it's not really, there's no different rate, right? The percentage is different, but the, the types of injuries are different. So if you have a lower heel drop shoe, it's not necessarily going to make you get up on your toes. That was the conventional wisdom. Not everybody does that. The majority of people will still utilize the same form that they use with the high heel drop shoe. However, it will place stress in different areas. And that's something we'll talk about with other components. I don't know how far you want me to, I can easily go down this route. So make sure you, you guide me. Cause I'll just keep talking and,
0: Yeah. I think what we could add to that is pretty much saying like, um, a lot of people think that if you make a certain, like if you change your shoe or if you change your running style that you're going to reduce. Just quickly chiming in here to let you scholars know, I have just updated my five day injury prevention challenge. This is one email per day for five days, learning new concepts and diving into the science on how you can reduce your risk of injury. The sign up link is in the show notes so fill in your details and I'll be waiting for you in email number 1 tomorrow. The load on the body and a lot of people say oh this will reduce your load on your body reduce nope. the ground reaction force reduce all this which will yep. reduce your risk of injury but what yep. you're saying is you won't reduce the load you reduce the You won't reduce the overall load. You will reduce it on a certain body part, but all it does is shift the load to somewhere else. And so it will increase your risk of injury somewhere else. But overall speaking, it um, will like the the injury rates stay exactly the same because the load just shifts to somewhere else and will increase the likelihood of injury to somewhere else.
1: Right. And you didn't take time to go, how can I change the load that's coming in here? Which That's always when we talk about your mechanics or your strength level, right? Load management is very, very important. So that's, that should be one of the priorities before you think about, and we've talked about this and I know, I think you've talked about this before. And then we talked about this on doctors running. You should be really thinking about other components before you start trying to change, you know, foot strike or your heel drop or something like that. These are not quick fixes as always. This takes time for your body to adapt to, right? So any shift, right? Each part, some people are more adaptable, right? Some people can switch between uh, heel offsets super easy. I am very fortunate that I can actually do that. Um, there was a time in my life I couldn't. And fortunately, the amount of shoes that i tested uh, and the amount of strength work I do has allowed me to do that because thank goodness with the number of shoes that come through for us to test. So I'm lucky in that regard. But yeah, so heel offset, we can definitely talk about in terms of different injuries that we'll address in the future. But it is the difference between the back of the shoe and the front of the shoe, shoe in terms of height and know that it's not a magic bullet.
0: Yeah, and I think most people can find out what the heel drop is just by, you can either just Google like the make and model right. and yep. the dimensions and specifics yep. and it will have the, the heel drop yep. Yep. unless you want to get no, fancy with some calipers yeah. or something.
1: The calipers are great. I have, a, I have a pair that I've slowly been utilizing, but I actually stopped using them because you have to realize that I, I told you is the difference in, in height between those two areas. However, you have to realize that when you land in that shoe, that number totally changes, right? Oh, the, softness yeah. of the, the softness of the sole will change, right? So that's with zero drop shoes, right? Shoes that are totally flat. If you land in your heel in a soft zero drop shoe, you're gonna have a negative heel drop. Because when you load the shoe at that maximal loading point, you're gonna have a negative drop, right? Because the heel's gonna be more compressed from the forefoot. Just like with some of these shoes that have a very high, high heel drop, but the sole super soft, the same thing's going to happen. You might compress that shoe enough that it creates a zero or a low heel drop, or you may land at the front of the foot and it, it increases the heel drop. Right? So remember that number is dynamic. You might see a number on the website, but depending on where you land, that number will change, which is why shoes will feel, even though it's like, Oh, it's a nine millimeter drop. You may not notice it. because like, wow, it feels like it's a lot lower there's a lot of other variables that will affect that. Sole, so the, the shape of the shoe, the, um, the softness level, how much the sole compresses. So the heel drop is a dynamic number. You can't base it just on the number that you see.
0: Never thought of it that way, but it makes so yeah. much sense. <laughs> yep. um, let's delve into patellofemoral pain. What can we say okay. about shoes and patellofemoral pain?
1: So based on my, so JF actually does is, if I remember correctly, who just talked to, um, does a lot of work on patellofemoral pain and shoes, correct me if I'm wrong.
0: Yeah, he does. Yeah.
1: So one of the things he's, he's definitely an expert. And so he's, he has, JF has not met me. Um, but he should know if he ever listens to this, that he's one of the people that inspired me to go do the PhD uh, <laughs> and ask better questions. So JF, thank you very much. The, when it comes to shoes and patellofemoral pain, patellofemoral pain can come from a variety of different places, right? So just a lot of people tend to think that with teleformal pain or knee pain that they should get a super maximal shoe and the softest cushioning possible but they need to know that that is not associated with less load we know from the current research even if you go into a hoka shoe that just because there's more stack height doesn't mean you're going to have less load in fact most people tend to land harder so what i generally suggest the components that I take into account is looking at what's the stability of the shoe light, not necessarily posting, right? But how stable is the platform? I also will look at the, the curve, especially the, the heel bevel is something that I find very, very important in uh, Patel stuff because a very sharp and rigid, stiff rear foot where there's no bevel, right? There's no curve there means that that, that initial impact when you hit the ground, if you land at your heel, if you land at the front of the foot, it's a totally different story, but if you land at the heel and there's no heel bevel, there's a lot more impact force that goes into your, under the lower extremity than if it's smooth and curved out. That is why our heel is curved, right? It's to help roll you forward. It's one of the things that makes us efficient as human beings. So that's, the heel is one of the first place I take a look at, at um, patella femoral pain, and you'll hear me look at a lot of the same spots. Uh, soul flare is another area that I take a look at, especially lateral soul flare. So if I, if there's a ton of shoes sticking out the side, and I know this, this person lands really hard on the outside of the foot before they roll in, whether it's the forefoot at the heel, that's another area I'm going to go, Hey, it, that soul flare increases the, the, uh, uh, what's the term I'm looking for? The, the amount of motion that you have to go through, right? So it's an arc of motion as you hit the ground, increases the the more soul flare there at, there is, right? So if you can visualize this, if you land in a shoe that's curved, it's gonna roll you in much easier, right? Where if it's that shoe, it's really pointed out there, there's a greater arc of motion and your body's gonna go through that at a faster speed to get that that foot down. So greater speed, greater force, greater arc of motion, that's going to influence definitely a lot of that um, lateral or side-to-side motion in the knee joint, which is very important to pay attention to. Uh, just as the shoe being really far back, right, the sole being a lot of posterior sole flare, there is that foot has to travel a lot lar- much larger direction. And so that knee is more likely to be pitched forwards, um, which may or may not put a little extra pressure there. So those are kind of the two of the areas that I look at initially, just knowing that a lot of. Patellofemoral pain and somebody may argue with this a lot of injuries come from initial contact and basically when you hit the ground so that's kind of the place that i'm looking at with with those you can get into other areas like how much arch support and stuff like that is but looking at the heels one of the first place i take a look at um and how that might influence where that knee might be going
0: yeah and we do know that the majority of runners are heel strikers and yes. the amount of people who suffer from patellofemoral pain are most likely going to be heel strikers themselves as well, because um, you you notice like the toe runners are more like calf foot Achilles, that kind of stuff. Exactly. Um, So if I was to summarize, you're trying to reduce the load that goes through the the knee as much as possible, but sometimes getting a really thick, heavy cushioned shoe might not be the answer
1: no frequent frequently not right so it's just in some people it might work great right because again we know from the amount of this is going down a deep rabbit hole we know the amount of cushioning is subjective to each person right there's plenty of person that have these super thick hug issues and they're like wow this still feels really firm and then the next person comes and they goes wow this feels really really soft so it it depends on a lot of other factors remember we said this is very complicated There's a lot of factors we'll try to simplify this down as much as you can But what I'm looking for is anything that makes that transition as they land a little bit easier. And so cushioning is nice, but the more important thing's going to be, how is that sole set up to to facilitate um, that transition? So I, again, will look at a lot of whether the shoe has a beveled heel or if it's a really stiff rigid one. Um, You generally want to look at a shoe that has more beveled or upward curve and not too much sole flare on that, either the back portion or the outside portion, because that will that may influence a little bit more stress through the knee joint. And so yeah. it's best to kind of keep that down a little bit, especially as people are recovering. And then once you build up the load tolerance, you may have a little bit more flexibility with what shoes um you can you and again members the soul flare may influence this stuff it doesn't mean it's going to kill you right it doesn't mean like as soon as you put on a shoe with this you're going to have knee pain not everybody responds that some people just may be more sensitive to it
0: Sure. And I know it can be tough to answer because you'll have individuals respond different to, um, a transition in shoe. And I think what you are alluding to last time is if you increase the cushioning of the shoe, some people respond really well, but others tend to respond in the opposite manner. And if someone is contacting with the heel when they're running and it's cushioning, a lot of times it can reduce the load, but other times the body can say i can get away with more load and actually contact firmer on the ground because they can get away with it with the cushioning and therefore that increases load through the knee so um right
1: the key the key is the body thinks it can get away with more it may not actually be able to do that
0: (laughs) very true the joint
1: forces are still really high the body just goes oh well this ground is softer so i don't have to worry about like absorbing force as much is that true no the, the body still has to do that so that that'll influence different people differently depending on their their body awareness
0: yeah how about if someone wants to do wants to transition into a lighter shoe to help patellofemoral pain yeah.
1: i think that's a it's a it's a great option to consider um again remember different people will do well for different shoes i like the concept of a slightly lighter shoe and i'm not talking like a like super barefoot kind of shoe um although there is some evidence to suggest that if you can get people more aware of how much load that they're they're Getting through their lower body it can help them attenuate that a little bit better and adjust the mechanics. Um, as always, adjusting to a, a lighter shoe, just take your time. Right, there's enough options on the market now that the shape of the shoe, the heel offset, the cushioning—you can usually find the exact same shoe at a, at a couple. You know, an, you know. I'm trying to figure out what measurements I should use because nobody else uses ounces and the, in the, the system outside the U.S. Outside the US. Huh. Uh, so we should definitely be using grams. But you're finding a shoe like a couple grams lighter. Um, it's definitely feasible, and I'd say try to avoid huge jumps. That's kind of my big theme for any any transition. Is if you're going to transition to a lighter shoe, take your time instead of jumping to the lightest thing possible. See if there's something that might be a tr- halfway between those as a way to do that. And then also, we also know that having a couple pairs of shoes actually does is a is a better option than having just one, right? Because being able to switch between a couple allows the foam to heat to recover and exposes your body to a little different forces. So instead of maybe saying, oh, I'm just going to jump to a lighter shoe, it might be good to have a lighter shoe in your rotation just to slowly work in and then become a larger part.
0: That yeah. that your question? Okay. Absolutely. And I think the audience should know by now that the uh, leading cause of injuries would be doing too much too soon or like any yeah. radical acute changes that exceeds yeah. the body's ability to adapt and so um hopefully we're just reiterating what you already know uh, yeah. But what you're saying is there could be either you could go from you could change a shoe very gradually or yeah. you could um have a shoe that's quite different but yeah. slowly transition into that shoe
1: right maybe like if you let's say you're running in a super cushion shoe and you just said hey i want to try a lighter one maybe work it in do some you know maybe do the last couple of miles you know the last mile of your run in them or you know do some strides in them initially and then go hey i'm going to do some shorter runs in these and do my longer runs in the more cushioned shoe and then as your body gets used to that you can switch back and forth and having a variety of stimulus of already in your body is really one of the great ways to to kind of reduce your injury risk at least that's what we think um so yeah, I, I am, I am emphasizing it's, I'm trying to enable people to buy more shoes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Shin splints. What can we say about shin splints?
1: Uh, definitely the same thing. So shin splints, especially that I know I'm, mean, going to hear me say posterior flare a lot. Um, I'm a, not a huge fan of that. The posterior flare for shin splints, shin splints is like a huge no, no. Um, having a rockered sole is going to help a lot more reduce some of that load because we know shin splints usually is, is a couple things. It's usually too much load through the bone, right? So that's why shin splints is not the greatest term to describe this. And we, we all know that, but it can also be an irritation of the anterior tibialis, which is the, the, the muscle that helps control the front of the foot and slowly let it lower down when you land on your heel. So posterior flare is the worst possible thing for that because when you hit the ground early right? It means, first of all, the muscles weren't ready for that. So now you're going to get more impact through your joints and your bones. So that increases the load through that tissue. So if you, if you can handle that, the bone can handle that. You're fine. But if your bones not ready for that, you can get a little irritated over time with, if you're training too much, if you're overtraining, so it's a perfect storm. But then also, again, the foot has to go through a greater bark of motion to get your toes to come down. So you can transition into flat foot toe off. So mid stance and terminal stance, so posterior flare is one of the things you should definitely avoid for somebody with shin splints or um, any kind of anterior tib issue uh, because most of that, again, comes from impact.
0: Yeah. I thought that when I, when I delve into research around um, yeah. shoe types and running types and whether there's injuries, yeah. it's uh, it seems like when it comes to shin splints, there is quite a a link correlation between the, the rocking in the pronation of the foot yep. and the rate that it pronates. And yep. I don't want to get into like people should know by now pronation is a totally normal action that the foot takes yes. when it, when you run. And so you your foot should that. be pronating. We don't want to eliminate yes. pronation, <laughs> right. but the rate that it, it rotates, it kind of whips the right. the, the ankle in when you do mm. run. Uh, if the shoe is flared out, like you were saying, yeah. it's a greater volume. It's a greater amplitude, will, but also at a yeah, faster rate. Right. And so and that so can manipulate those structures.
1: It can. And the other thing that you should definitely look at is for those people, that, you know, those shoes that have a super narrow profile, right? So especially that super narrow midfoot, which is a, the companies use that as a way to try to save weight. Weight As you trans over, transition over that, it's not the most stable platform. So that will certainly may influence pronation in one way or another. And again, pronation is bad. You have to ask yourself, do you have control over it? Because there are people that come into the clinic all the time that have super flat feet, um, and they they they're, they pronate a ton, but they have they're very strong and they have control of it. That's not the problem. It's when it becomes uncontrolled, or there are factors that, like you said, that make it kind of go faster than the body's ready to tolerate it. That can sure, certainly also contribute to the shin splints, um, and those tend to, to contribute more to the shin splints associated with the anterior tibialis, right? Because it's both a dorsiflexor and an inverter of the foot. So it's controlling pronation and how fast that, uh, that foot is coming down. So it makes sense to that, that, w- that would get strained. So against the sole, um, the health, how, how wide or narrow the sole is can also influence that. So those people with that kind of issue um, arch support doesn't work for everybody, right? Because the source of where that pronation is coming from, maybe from the foot, maybe from the hip depends. So as you said, yes, Flare is one thing that will influence that, right? So the more flare you have, the more your foot's going to pitch in. And then, but you might actually want to look for a shoe that had, has a wider base or some medial flare might actually resist that motion a little bit and give you a little, maybe slow it down a little bit. So that might be something you want to look for. So it depends. Posterior and lateral flare, like the back and the and outside, you might want to avoid, but flare on the inside, a little arch support or a, a, a little wider sole may actually be advantageous for this population along with a little bit of a rocker soul
0: okay cool and is there anything else that we can add for shin splints before we're moving on
1: uh as i said before your training load is super 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 important right a lot of we know from a lot of literature shin splints come from again too much too soon right a lot of those I have a couple of those where they, they've they jumped around between different medical professionals and nobody's been able to figure out what it is. And they take a rest, they rest for a little bit and then it comes right back. Those you definitely, those medical providers out there always screen people, not just freak people out, but always screen people for a a, a repeated bone stress injury, right? So the lot of runners, with, when they continue to have that like on and off again, on and off again stuff, really make sure you screen out. Um, whether it's a potential tibial or, um, I've actually seen one fibular stress fracture, which I don't know how that happened, but, um, make sure you screen those out and make sure people get checked, right? Because low people landing way the heck too hard when you see people slamming their feet down to the ground. So like, that may not be the best option. So not a shoe, not a shoe answer right to there, but those are kind of still the big things that I would pay attention to. Some other people might have some different things uh, that they might pay attention to, but those are kind of the big ones I would pay attention to.
0: Yeah. I think it's worth reminding people like just what you said, because a lot of people are going to have an injury and blame the shoes and a lot of people do it. A lot of people do it. And it's worth overstating. It's worth saying over and over again, that make sure the diagnosis is accurate to start with, especially when it comes to shin splints, because there's a a very, there can be other more serious conditions that masquerade as shin splints, especially, but we should also know that with all of these that we're talking about most in most cases, it's going to be the spike in load. Well yep. the main scenario I wanted to get across today was someone who has this condition for a very long period of time and is trying to um, trying to find, use the shoe as a tool to help yes. um, with the recovery. But yeah, it's definitely worth overstating because <laughs> I know a lot of people post a lot of things and they say i had this shoe i got patella femoral pain it's the shoe or like um they'll quickly they'll quickly blame the shoe but when you look at their loads they've gone from 10k a week to 50k a week and it's like well come on mate let's let's be (laughs) realistic
1: (laughs) if you multiply if you yeah there's a there's some great graphs out there that show the uh, there's an optimal amount of load that will keep you healthy. But if you start going too little, too much, that's where you kind of start getting a little bit more, especially too much. That's where you start getting a little bit more at risk. So yeah. But yeah. To answer your answer your question again, for those people with, with shin splints, you need to really be aware of what the rear part of the shoe looks like. Again, that, that posterior, I don't really have a good reason to have posterior flare or posterior lateral flare. So anything in the side the outside of the back is two areas that can certainly influence that. But in terms of the shoe, you might want to look for is a shoe with a little bit wider base, maybe a little bit more medial sole flare, just a shoe that's a little bit more stable, but also a nice rocker rear that helps kind of roll you forward nicely and can take that transition, make that a little easier. Definitely for shin splints.
0: Awesome. uh,
1: And I I don't mean to call out a certain company. Um, Asics is doing a much better job with this right now in terms of starting to bevel and curve their heels. That is one company that I generally tell people that with shin splints to avoid, Um, and I've had very, I've been, I've been fairly accurate on that just because they don't usually have a lot of heel bevel there. The rear foot tends to be really stiff. And so landing can be be a bit jarring. Um, I, I know people love their ASICs. I think it's a great company. They're doing some very cool stuff, but a lot of times you have to start looking at how companies repeatedly do things. And so that's one company I generally have people try to avoid if they're having shin splints or that, even sometimes some of that lower Achilles stuff. And we'll dive into the Achilles stuff in just a second.
0: Yeah. Uh, before we do that, let's have a talk yeah. about ITB syndrome.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, so ITB syndrome, again, you're going to hit the same thing, uh, lateral sole flare in the forefoot or the heel. So I've seen several people that are very, very high heel strikers. And again, most people will land on the outside of their foot. So if they land and that thing is too far out there, you're going to get pitched in really, really quick, or you're going to have a lot more impact force on that outside part with that sole flare. So that's Something I really see in a lot of um, people that strike farther forward. Again, sole flare—that's it's a it's a not a great thing and um, can put a lot of people with um, IT band issues uh, at risk. The other thing is again looking at the shape of the shoe. Um, I've also seen people with too much medial sole flare that are getting pushed out, or the shoe is um, pitched in a certain way, so they may not even have flare. If you look at the back of a shoe. You can see whether the foot is going to sit level or if there's what we call pitch, right? Is the, is the heel or the foot being pitched in a certain direction, right? So very rarely is a shoe totally flat, right? People, they try to do it, but it's usually there's a bias toward one side or the other. And for people with IT band syndrome, you really want to keep things in the middle as possible. So when you look at the back of the shoe, your foot should be sitting as even as possible because you can get IT band syndrome from the foot the knee going too far in or too far out right that tissue can be overstretched or compressed either way it can can go that direction so trying to keep your foot in the middle as much as possible is is a really nice thing and then um, the other thing i would suggest as well is try to avoid heavier shoes just because uh, a major contributor it's not a bad muscle but the tensor fascia lata at the hip is a very important muscle that loves to do more than it needs to um it, it needs to be strong. People often I find people actually have weak tensor fascia lata muscles um, or TFLs. The heavier shoe is, the more they're gonna have to use those hip flexors to lift that stuff up. So I generally try to have people avoid super heavy shoes just because it makes your hip flexors work really hard, unless they're strong enough to be able to handle that. So weight and that lateral sole flare is two major things I would be cautious with.
0: Yeah. um, I think it's worth mentioning now that like the TFL is the muscle that kind of acts as a hip flexor as well, but is one of the main muscles that joins and almost becomes the ITB itself. And so it's one of the muscles that directly manipulates the ITB.
1: It's one of my favorite muscles because it does so many things, right? It just, it, it controls so many different components of both the hip and knee and the pelvis um, so show it some love, right? It needs to be. It needs to be. I've seen several TFL strains in my time, and it's like, wow, you really messed this thing up, uh, just because it gets overused, right? So make sure everything's balanced.
0: Yeah, and so if I was to summarize ITB syndrome, we're kind yeah. of looking at. <clears throat> I don't really like using the word alignment, but we're looking at yeah. making sure that the knee doesn't rock too far in or too far out. If you're yes. looking at a runner from behind and looking yeah. at them, kind of. Um, as they go through their running motion, as that foot's making right. contact with the ground, we want to making sure there's not too much movement of the knee going in or going out.
1: Right. And so any of the factors that's going to influence that, right? So maybe somebody is in a shoe that has too much stability because again, stability everybody's like, Oh, give me a shoe with more support, more support, more support. More support is not, a, is not better. It really depends on the person. Some people respond super well to stability. Some people do not. Um, I know that for myself, even though I have a lot of foot motion, if you give me a shoe that has too much arch support, too much stability, or pushes me one more than one direction. I have a history of IT band stuff and I will start feeling mine flare up a little bit. So more is not always better. You need to make sure your foot kind of stay, is, has the optimal amount it needs to be able to keep the best, its own kind of preferred movement pathway. Um, which I'd like to cite, uh, Ben, Dr. Uh, ben Onig on a lot of that concept people should go look up that article called the, the preferred motion path which has really turned a lot of what we know in the four world upside down but again just to summarize and not keep not to go off topic you want to really make sure there's nothing that's influencing your foot to be pushed too far or the lower extremity to be pushed too far in one direction balance is key right so that means looking at soul flare is it pushing arch support is it pushing you too much one way or another
0: yeah and very well wait. summarized very good. And then weight is
1: weight as well, just because again, the IT band works, it does so many different things with the tensor flush a lot and the glutes. The heavier your shoe is, the more stress it might put on that on that area if you're not ready to do that.
0: Okay. Is there any advantage to having heavier shoes or any advantages to having um a heel flare?
1: Um which direction? Oh. So it depends. So let me okay, let me actually answer that question. So yes, depending on the person, right? So um, a heavier shoe for some people, like if you ask most elite runners, and I have, I have been told this repeatedly from the, I have had such a wonderful opportunity to work with um, many elite runners, both in person and over telehealth. And I've always asked them the question is, do you ever, like, what do you guys find the advantage of training in heavy shoes? And one of the big things they always tell me anecdotally is going, it makes me feel when I put on lighter shoes, it makes me feel faster, right? <laughs> so good. if you're going to train in a heavy shoe, right, it's, it's kind of like weightlifting. Right. It acts it. You'll have if you and lightweight like lifting, if you ease into it, it may help improve your strength. Um, and uh, it may also give you the, the sense that, hey, you've got a little more protection there. Is that necessarily true? Not necessarily sure. But that's mostly the reason why people train heavier shoes is they might want a little more cushion during easy runs or they want, might want to feel a little faster when they switch to, to lighter shoes. Um, the soul flare can be utilized for many different purposes. So if if somebody's moving too much in one direction, you can utilize soul flare to influence them back, right? So the old adage of saying arch support is the only way to get stability, right? So when I say arch support, um, I should clarify, I mean, um, a harder density on the inner part of the foot than the outside. So arch support is really meant to. Uh, in attempt to influence, how much it actually influences we're starting to see literature that they questions that, um, it's attempting to resist motion uh, or slow down pronation in um, the foot collapsing inwards on the inner part of the, sh- the shoe. Um, soul flare can be used similar, where it's again, it can slow down motion, either going into pronation or supination. So lateral soul flare actually can be very effective for those rare people and rare that that supinate too much as a way to kind of influence them to come a little bit more back um, so i've actually suggest saucony is one that typically does a lot of uh lateral sole flare at the forefoot and i've had some people that they were towing off and they were coming way off that poor pinky toe and i had a young a young woman who had a lot of stress fractures on the fifth metatarsal and so we utilized a shoe with a little bit more lateral sole flare she's a heel striker as a way to kind of influence her to get back over that first toe because that's your big pivot point. So you on the, in the right person you can use soul flare to influence them back toward the middle. It's not always a bad thing, but some people, it it can push them too far in one way.
0: Okay. Very nice. Uh, how about if we're talking about calf strains, if we, if we, can we kind of give the same advice for Achilles and calf strains? Can they kind of be yes. categorized into one category?
1: Definitely, definitely, definitely. Um, the a little, yeah. it's a yes. I think you should definitely pay attention to both of them and we can lump these in a little bit. There are some subtle differences, but, but I would agree based on what's the similar complex that yes, you can, you can lump them in. I'm talking okay. a lot as I'm trying to like, think through this and go, can we do that? Oh
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, we've got the same ideas in our mind. I think we're going through the same questions. <laughs>
1: yeah. So, With Achilles and calf stuff, I really start looking toward the front of the shoe. So that's where the concept of toe spring comes in and uh, flexibility at the front of the shoe. So a a shoe that is super stiff in in the front, the calf has to work a lot harder to get your foot over that. Toe spring, which you're starting to see in more and more shoes, especially as shoes get thicker, right? Because toe spring is that upward curve of the sole it replaces your, the body's ability to roll forward. So normally you would get that from the the first couple of joints in your foot called the metatarsals, right? So your forefoot, those, those big, those toe joints um, you normally get that from those extending as you roll over them. Now, if somebody is say, if they're a little older or younger, they don't have that motion there. That's where toe spring really helps. um, Because if you don't have that motion there, the stiffer your toes are, it's a longer lever. So it means your cap has to work that much harder to get over that. So the front of the foot is where I'm focusing with this. Now, whether you're going to have a calf strain or Achilles strain is going to depend on which part is, can handle more load. So a lot of times I'll see people with super strong calves, but the Achilles tendon may not be as adept at tolerating the amount of either load or what have you versus other people who may have super awesome tendons, but that calf strength is not good Uh, for people out there you as if you're going to run you should be able to do at least 20 to 25 single leg heel raises on each side that is one of my i i make patients of mine who are are coming coming back from calf strains or achilles surgeries and things like that i make sure they can do at least 30 plus single leg heel raises because having good calf strength is very important stronger th- that the calf is too right when you do that kind of strengthening usually the achilles follows along with it so Not to go off topic. Sorry, buddy. But the front of the shoe is the biggest thing that I'm looking for. And not just for forefoot strikers. People usually assume that forefoot strikers are the only ones that are going to have a Achilles injury. That is not true. Um, Although landing at the front of your foot does mean you're going to have, you may have more risk of that. Um, People who land on their heel also, if you've got to push off that thing, it does make it harder. So I'm going to look at toe spring, right? The, if you do have a history of Achilles injury issues, look for a shoe that that can roll forward for you, right? So the more toe spring there is, the less work your calf has to do. And there's actually a good amount of research on that with all the super shoes out there. So the Nike Vaporfly, the Socketing Endorphin Pro, all those kind of shoes. One of the things that suggests might make people more efficient running in those because their calf and their feet don't have to work as hard because of the rockered sole, especially at the front of the foot. So that, that's not to say that toe spring is the answer to everything because a lot of times people that are very like ankle dominant may find that takes away their strategy. And so it becomes a lot harder to run. I'm one of those people. So yeah, it will totally depend on how much you need as a person.
0: Yeah. Great. And I think we're yeah. appealing to a lot of people if we're um, talking about a heel strike rather than yeah. a forefoot strike. And right. what you're explaining is we we can find components within the shoe that can assist in rocking us forward and propelling us yep. forward, and kind yep. of offloading um, the requirements required for the Achilles and the calf for pro- um, propulsion. Yeah.
1: Thank you, Brody, for summarizing. As I, I'm still working on being succinct, and you can see it's not going very
0: well. No, nah, it's going very well. Like I, <laughs> I said, you're, you're doing all the heavy lifting. I'm just <laughs> okay, listening. <that's>
1: <laughs> so yeah, so so again, toe spring will. Re- the more, if you have a history of Achilles issues, I highly suggest. Um, some toe spring, but what people need to realize is some of these shoes that also have carbon plates there, they also can, they can increase the amount of stress through the Achilles tendon as well. So when that shoe first came out, um, the Nike Vaporfly, I was actually doing my orthopedic residency um, and shout out to everybody from Casa Colina who were wonderful and helped me through that. Uh, but man, so the, the area, it's, it, that air, that Casa Colina is in Pomona which is nice right next to a really nice area called Claremont, California, which for people that are in California, you should go visit. Um, but there is obviously a lot of money and older runners in that area. They have disposable income. So we had a ton of people coming in going, wow, I've gotten all these like four foot issues or Achilles strains. And I just ordered this new shoe and I'm like, what is it? And it was, of course it was that. So just know that stiffness and, t- and that upward curve will influence things, even at the, at the Achilles and the and, and, uh, calf. So be aware that if, even if you see, see a shoe with a lot of toe spring, if that, if that plate, that carbon fiber plate that makes these shoes so unique, if that's too stiff, that's still going to increase stress through there. So you may not need the stiffest shoe, right? Sometimes having a little bit more flexibility at that front or a little bit more toe spring is better for those with Achilles inju- injuries and issues because the less work you have to do to get over the front of the foot, the less stress you're going to have back there. Now, if you're trying to run fast, right, sometimes it's good to have a little extra stiffness there because it helps propel you forward, but you better make sure your Achilles is ready for that.
0: Very true. And is there anything we can add for heel drops within a shoe when it comes to Achilles and calf Uh, strains?
1: Of course. How could I forget that? Thank you for reminding me.
0: So, um, yes,
1: I can't believe I forgot that. So the the higher heel drop, the less strain you're likely to see on the Achilles to an extent. When you actually get up to really, really high heel drops, so some of the older shoes have like a 14 to 16 millimeter drop, um, know that stretching, that overstretching the Achilles is not the only thing that influences injury there. Uh, We've seen some literature that also shows that compression too can also make that an issue. So super high heel drops or super low heel drops can also make people at risk for more Achilles injuries. So. Um, it depends on why you're having the issues. I've seen a lot of people with really high heel drops come in. and I'm like, you, it's, this shouldn't be like this. But again, compression or overstretching the Achilles tendon can put it at, at risk for injury. So trying to find something a little bit in the middle is usually good. So that's why I usually suggest people look at like eight to 10 millimeter drop. But the most frequent one is, hey, if you go to a super low heel drop shoe, your foot's going to go, your ankle's going to go through a lot more motion and that's good. That can put a lot more stress to the Achilles. So finding a shoe that might have a little higher heel drop for a while may help.
0: Yeah. And I think it's worth knowing that if you don't have Achilles issues and you try a new shoe that has a lesser heel drop that just know that the Achilles and the calf are going to be required to do a bit more heavier lifting. So yeah. make sure that it's a slow transition or make yeah. sure the Achilles and calf are strong enough to handle that.
1: Yeah. And accept that you're going to be really sore afterward. Most people. Yeah. So it's just, just know that's coming.
0: I, um, when I was very first starting out as a runner, mm-hmm. I had like a, what you could call like a traditional shoe and yeah. was learning more about lighter and lesser shoes. And yeah. I was running probably about 15 K comfortably. Mm-hmm. and I wasn't like, I was maybe just graduated, didn't know a lot about running specific stuff. And so I had my lesser shoes, zero heel drop, probably weighed about a hundred and something grams. So like really, really light. And I ran, I think three or 4k and my calves were shot for days afterwards. And I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that my, even my feet, the muscles in my feet were, so like, it was just doms. Luckily I didn't, yeah. ha- I didn't get yeah. an injury luckily, but right. yeah, it was crazy how I just did a simple run three, four K's and it was just destroyed the days.
1: Right. And you're used to running 15 K every, like all the time. Right. So you're like, Oh, this, this can't be an issue. Right. But you got to realize that that big of a change, right. The muscles aren't used to doing that. That's why we all, we also know one of the things I suggest to people um, is if you get, if you want to go that route, if you want to get that super minimal, like kind of, uh, barefoot style kind of shoe, just start walking in them. Right. Because we know that the difference in load and is like three to four times different between walking and running because walking requires a lot more muscle activation. Um, so if you just go start walking in those shoes, that will be more than enough to get your body starting to get used to a little bit. So, uh, you know, I'm, um, we uh, at Doctors Running just started working, doing a little stuff with uh, Newton, right? And so people who don't know, Newton usually has very low heel offsets and they have a specific technology that kind of helps, that's supposed to help you pivot off the front of the foot a little bit more. But I was very nervous because right before that, I was testing a shoe that had a massive heel drop. So to get my body used to that, I just started wearing the, the shoes in the clinic and walking around in them all day. I got a little bit sore. but By the time I was ready to run them, I was fine. So walking and testing them out and spending some time in the shoes is a great way to get your body used to that and prepare it for the transition to start running in them. Yeah, and I was sorry. Which on. is what? So Brody, I I had the exact same experience as you uh, when I started going in college. When I had this like big barefoot transition that I wanted to do, and I was so sore. But I was like, I, when you're running them, you're like, oh, this feels great. It's so fat. And then the next day, you're like, oh my goodness, why did I do that? Like I can't even walk. And so. Yeah, I had the same experience and you learned really quick.
0: Yeah. What I like to think about is it also, yeah. it might make you more of a resilient runner if you get mm-hmm. better in different shoes. And yes. um, that's what I like to think about. If you have the luxury of having different types of shoes and adapting to different types of shoes, it kind of helps your resiliency. And what you mentioned before, people who like the elites that are wearing heavier shoes and yep. saying that it can, it can kind of be like strength training because you're using... Yep different muscles are working harder and yep. different muscles are working harder in a lesser shoe. And yep. if you're just building up different loads, if you're shifting the load to different areas and the body's adapting to those, um, you're going to be a like all round resilient runner, which right. is a really nice uh, way to utilize, um, shoes for performance. Right.
1: And it's fun to have like options, right. In terms of going, Hey, if I'm going to go do a race, which hopefully we'll start up again, Um, if I'm gonna go do a race, it's nice to have a lighter shoe that you can like start working a little bit faster in. But or if you're gonna try to do a workout or run a little faster, but you do you don't necessarily want to you may not want to run in that super light shoe all the time, right? Because that that's a lot of impact. Your body's gonna work really hard. It in a certain way, you might want to be able to switch back to another shoe to go, hey, I just might need a little more protection today than yesterday. So we again, we do know from the research that having a variety of shoes can't is one of the few things that we know can actually reduce your injury risk because, again, it just redistributes the load so it's not just the same spot getting hit every time.
0: Yeah, so it's, but having the, the it, right? having the knowledge, having the knowledge, and like utilizing it properly is um, the key. And it's why yeah. I love like these sort of topics. And I, a couple of episodes ago, I did um, talk through my experience overcoming a tendonopathy, and as yeah. I was building up my mileage, my calves were starting to get sore because it was a yeah. mileage that um, I hadn't done for a long time. And so I actually started doing more runs in something with a higher heel drop. And just because yeah. I knew that uh, a better heel drop helps here, yeah. like the calves recover. And so they weren't going to be working as hard for my, um, my other runs so it is a yeah. way to transition in and out of shoes depending on your circumstances as well if you do need other muscle groups to work harder than than others yep really cool
1: yeah yeah that's awesome and so you're doing you're doing well with the 10 right everything's doing good so far
0: everything's great yeah actually awesome. I'm, I'm running like 10ks plus and i'm actually having zero issues i'm having zero like um stiffness zero soreness and yeah feeling really great nice congrats that's awesome i think anything else we want to add on achilles and calf strains
1: no yeah that you brought up a, thank you for reminding me the uh, the heel drop and the front of the shoe what that looks like in terms of how flexible it is or how much toe spring it is will definitely uh, or how stiff it is will definitely influence the, the calf and the Achilles. So those are the two big areas I would take a look at and know. As I always say, each person's different, but a lot of people, you know, we're coming off the big minimalist uh, way, right? So you're seeing much more of the like super cushioned shoes right now, but that stuff still exists. So people that are making those transitions just to a, a lower offset shoe, just know that, you know, just take time, right? Because a lower offset may put a little more stress there. People that are jumping into these um, really stiff carbon fiber-plated shoes, just know that puts a little bit more stress there, so know that you just need to take time to ease into that stuff, and your body will do fine if you give it time to adapt.
0: Awesome. <clears throat> Matt, you have the, the doctors of running website. So doctors of com, and pretty yeah. much across all social media platforms, you've got doctors of running like yeah. YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. You've also started a new podcast. Can you maybe just explain a little bit about the, the podcast and what you guys discuss?
1: Yeah. So the podcast is, it's a variety of things. So we will, we're doing a video and podcast based reviews of a lot of shoes. We're trying to kind of just ex, ex, expose people to a different form of the media that we're trying to do. So most of our stuff in the past is all written. So we're trying to do written and video. So those who need a little bit more uh, uh, visual stimulus or auditory influence or stimulus can uh, take a look at those where we will go review shoes. Um, all three of us usually, uh, give different opinions, talk about the biomechanics behind them. But what we've started to do and what's going to happen in the future is we're actually going to start bringing uh, people from the ind- footwear industry and in, start interviewing them and talking about their kind of thoughts on footwear, what their, how their company really uh, goes in terms of how they design their footwear and getting some background um, on trying to help people understand each company, what their goal is and why they make shoes a certain way. So we're super excited. This um, Tomorrow, actually, we're going to have the people at Newton come on and talk with us about uh, how they design their shoes their company history. And we are very excited. We have a couple other people lined up from different companies to uh, do interviews with. So it's expanding beyond shoe reviews and uh, other biomechanics stuff, but we'll also have, we have a talk on um, heel drop, ironically, and foot strike. And uh, we'll also keep talking again. The whole goal is education, getting people more aware of that stuff. So a lot of stuff's coming.
0: Unreal. I think a lot of the people who listen to this will also say, benefit extremely mm-hmm. from the content that you're producing. Um, the podcast, is it called uh, Doctors of Running? Yep, it's the same same title. Try to keep Fantastic. Consistent. I think that having the visual component is like just an added element that can be mm-hmm. extremely beneficial as well because you can actually look at the shoe and you can show them the flair and you can show them like the the flexibility or like certain right. characteristics of a shoe will help grasp the concept a lot better. So um, you do that across all the other platforms and i highly recommend that people seek that out before we jumped on this interview i i told you that shoe selection and like shoe brands and all that sort of stuff is kind of my blind spot because i've stuck to only one or two types of shoes throughout my running career and haven't really um explored any variations so um i'm gonna be a a big listener and one of your biggest Mm -hmm. fans
1: (laughs) (laughs) thank you That means a lot as somebody who has been a huge fan of your podcast for a long time. So that's awesome. When you first contacted me, I'm like, oh my gosh, he's reaching out. That's so cool.
0: Uh, We'll grow together as we we pick up on each other's um, info. Is there anywhere else like someone could go or any other action someone could take um, if they are really enjoying your stuff, really enjoying your content?
1: Um, I love, I really want to give a big shout out to two people who have influenced me quite a bit in terms of the footwear game. Um, Simon Barthold. So Bartold biomechanics is a great place to learn more about footwear. Um, and Simon is phenomenal in his knowledge in the running shoe industry. He's, he's been, he's a, he's been in there for years, right? He's worked with Asics, he's worked with Solomon, he's worked with all these different companies. Um, so he's taught me a lot. His, his website is a great place to learn, Craig Payne is the other really awesome person to go um, pick his brain. He gives a lot of great lectures, does a lot of really cool stuff. Um, he previously had a, a website called Running Research Junkie, which has been a little quiet, and he has a new platform that is coming out shortly. Uh, if it has, if, Craig, I'm sorry if I if it's already come out, I haven't seen it yet. Um, but he, those are the two really awesome guys um, that will teach you a lot about running shoes and shoes and how they might influence the body uh, in terms of the research world. Um, Dr. Ben and is still kind of the, the king, um, although he would probably deny that um, when it comes to research on running shoes and footwear and things like that. So there's some very cool research articles out there that people should definitely check out if they really want to dive into that stuff. Um, and yeah, those are the, the big places. And uh, those are the guys that, that influenced me and helped me kind of think about what I'm putting on my feet and how I can try to help people learn more about that
0: yeah simon bartold another um a good aussie from adelaide yeah. i'm actually yeah. interviewing i've got i've got him lined up tomorrow i'm actually going to interview nice him. yeah that is great um, let him know that i said
1: let him know i said hi i don't know
0: if he remembers
1: we've had a couple like online chats but tell him that uh he's always been a really awesome influence and inspiration
0: yeah absolutely um I know this topic is very hard to talk about just on its own and it's extremely challenging. And as long as the audience, they get the concept that this is just one yep. piece of the puzzle because we could have taken so many segues and so many different tangents on this regarding like yep. even just gate retraining, like they can yep. have different shoe types, but you can also try and slowly manipulate how you're running with cadence mm. or step width or something like that. which. Right. Could- Influence a lot of these things as well, and even just like we're talking about loads or even terrain uphill, downhill, like trails, flats, all these sort of things. Looking at strength, all these sort of things can manipulate, but the shoe itself is just one piece of the puzzle, but can be an important piece of the puzzle. So, I want to thank you for coming on and sharing your knowledge. Um, there's a lot of gaps that I don't know, and you've filled them very, very well. And you've absolutely nailed tackling this, this one specific topic. So thanks yeah. again, Matt, for coming on.
1: Thank you, Brody. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm very honored to be on here. So this is great. This is awesome.
0: Thanks for listening to another episode of the Running Smarter Podcast. I hope you can see the impact this content will have on your future running. If you want to continue expanding your knowledge, please subscribe to the podcast and keep listening. If you want to learn quicker, jump into the Facebook group titled Become a Smarter Runner. If you want tailored education and physio rehab, you can personally work with me at breakthroughrunning.physio. Thank you so much once again. And remember, knowledge is power.